That, that was going to be a great track. Guys, what's the deal? Uh, are, are you sure that was sounding okay? I'll be honest, fellas, it was sounding great, but I could have used a little more cowbell. And we're back in live. I'm Jimmy Krupka. This is Ski Racing This Week. Welcome back, my faithful listeners and newcomers. Thank you for spending another wonderful day in quarantine with me. I know your interest in ski racing these days may be dwindling as we spend longer and longer in the vacuum of quarantine, but stand strong. It's going to be over soon. Uh, Kind of soon, I hope. I got a message recently from a skier who said he listened to the segment I did last week with EDT's Morgan. If you missed it, it's an all-encompassing look at college skiing and definitely worth a listen. I got a lot of positive feedback on it. Anyway, this listener who DM'd me told me he had just decided to take a PG year and that my segment helped reassure some things. That makes me feel good. That is why I do this. That's the goal, bringing the information to the people, entertaining you, informing you, anything I can do to help. Uh, Now, I've been working hard to make the show more and more interesting in these deprived times. I currently have the phone numbers of two mainstream celebrities, actually, who I whose numbers I have acquired with a little skill and luck and with a little more skill and luck. They will be on the podcast shortly. So stay tuned. Next week should be a good one, too, actually. Nevertheless, I've got a great show for you today. Lucas Bratten, the next Norwegian wonder kid, gives me a call from Oslo to discuss his meteoric rise and his team dynamic, the good and the bad. And Sarah Miller, former US ski team physical therapist, gives us all an illuminating talk on quote unquote GS back, the perpetual bane of all ski racers. But now, without further ado, Lucas Bratten. Lucas, thanks for taking my call. No worries, no worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. So, uh, Ski Racing This Week, uh, the Ski Racing Media's official podcast. Um, you you uh, mentioned that you, you heard of Ski Racing Media and you follow Instagram. I'm glad about that. Um, so, basically, you're being broadcasted to millions of Americans right now. Nice. <laughs> Not actually. I appreciate, I appreciate the clout. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of which, um, your English is really good. And... Um, you, you. Uh, where did you learn your, your English to be that good? Um, not to be all draggy and stuff, but language has kind of been my strong side when it comes to school. Uh-huh. Um, but the, I, I'd say it's like obviously from from us traveling all around the world as a skier and and and, and everything that that brings uh, with the benefits of language. But then again, Felix McGrath, as many of the listeners may know yeah. on this podcast, um, which is Atlas Dad. Uh, he was my coach from the age of 12 to 16, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure, or 15 or so. So obviously, uh, that means a lot of uh, days of only speaking English. So that has been a huge benefit for me when it comes to the English. And uh, I guess now my next step is learning German. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty much it. Uh, how's your German? 
Uh, German is all right. Obviously, in, in Norway, we have uh, we have German as a subject in school, uh-huh. but you only learn grammatics. Like you 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 don't really learn how to speak. So so that's a bummer. So I, I'm just gonna be learning that on myself on Duolingo or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you good. Um, so, do you have like you you said the word clout, which is definitely like a slang American term. What are your what other what other terms? Can you like talk in an American accent with slang? You got any of that? I mean, Riv has told me that I do uh, uh-huh. that that I sound like a full on American when I talk to him, and that I have the expressions and stuff. But that's that's basically only from social media. You okay, know? so <laughs> that's pretty much it. Gotcha. Um, well, so where are you? You're in Oslo right now, right? Right. How is the lockdown situation and the coronavirus? It's, it's not, uh, like in China, for example, it's, 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 it's pretty chill. It's, uh, as of today, we have a hundred, uh, deaths in Norway. And obviously that doesn't sound a lot, but per capita, it's like, you know, not too good either. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, if you are in the uh, area, if you've been in the risk areas and mm-hmm. stuff, then you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. And I'm done with that with, yeah, quite okay. some time ago. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm not in quarantine anymore. So uh, now it's only like a, a lot of businesses are, are not allowed to, to like keep people in work and, and, and uh, stay down in the city of Oslo and work. So you, everyone has to work from home. Uh, and the only kind of public place uh, the government really wants you to go is obviously uh, the grocery stores. So, but but, but gotcha. it's nothing really strict. And there's no uh, not police guys outside your door. And if, if, if you walk outside and, and tell you to go home. So it's, it's pretty all right. So, mm-hmm. but obviously in Norway, we've, we have the luxury of our nature and stuff. So we have many possibilities of just like running and still skiing. And yeah. so, so I do, I do ski touring a lot. So we have this huge, um, well, yeah, same actually. Yeah. US, but we, yeah, but we have this really cool resort up in the top of Oslo, which I, which I take average a day, not a trip a day. So it's mm-hmm. nice. It's nice in Oslo. Yeah. Um, have you been training at all or will there be training soon for you guys? Like a ski well, training on the on snow. We've been training, but we haven't been training uh, together as a team, okay. uh, which we always do. Um, so uh, every one of us has, or I think the majority at least of the team has uh, managed to set up their home gym uh, and, and, uh, and negotiated in their private sponsors or, or just straight up bought an entire gym and just set it up <laughs> in their homes. Yeah. So uh, a lot of money been spent there and some deals have to be signed. But yeah, so we're, we're training, but not together. So we're managing to do it all. But I, as of now, uh, the next uh, organized training with the team is August. So that is, that's pretty not nuts. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and you guys won't, so you won't be training together on snow until then either, huh? As of now? Yeah. No. Wow. But our goal is obviously maybe sooner to just to just sit and hope for the government to loosen up the, the restrictions and stuff, and then maybe we can. But gotcha. So speaking of your team, I know um, that you guys have a very strong, like a tight knit group, especially on the you know on the tech side. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, throughout all the years that I haven't been on the team, I've always heard of that myself. Mm-hmm. And when you enter the team, you can really experience what it's like. Uh, and it's re- it is true. It is really true. And it, and it is a great benefit to the day that you're on the start line for any type of race. Because mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're alone there. You feel like you're there with the team, right? Yeah. Um, and... I, don't, I haven't seen a lot of nations do what we do on race days. Like, whenever the first guy uh, crossed the finish line, the first thing he does before any clothes is put on or interviews are done, it's straight to the radio and go up and tell the boys how the yeah. conditions were, how the course set is, and everything that we need to know. And, and it's things like that that kind of, I think is why the results are collectively really good in the Norwegian yeah. team. And uh, I've already, just by one year on the national team, learned like how great of a benefit a team is in uh, Alpine skiing. I don't really see it as an individual sport anymore. So yeah, that's it, really great. cool to hear because they're, they're, because not everybody gets it. And so it, it was cool to watch you guys this year um, on the World Cup. Like, you know, I think there's a great picture of everybody at the uh, – at the parallel GS that, uh, um, where, where, yeah, when, when you guys had like, I don't know, five guys or something in the top, whatever, 15. And, um, that was, that was cool. Um, and I'm definitely a proponent of a good team atmosphere. The, the guys I've been with have been, have been awesome. Um, so would you consider that like you had, you started this season with a sixth place at sold and your previous best was like what 26 or something like how do you yeah. think the team uh, contributed to that like how, how did you go from how did you jump so quickly up well I think for sure obviously that 26th place was my first race so so mm-hmm. even scoring points that race was really cool um, but the rest of that season I didn't even manage to finish a World Cup race um, and then going from that to start off in Solden with uh, such a great day and actually keeping the momentum going through the season as well. Yeah, I think for sure the team is like number one reason. Uh, uh, like just a group of athletes, how we work together is, is, is such a has such an influence on, on on my season and everyone's season, I guess, and mm-hmm. and, and our team. Uh, and I think for sure it's uh, I changed equipment to Atomic, which really just fit me, and their support was really great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess just having that national team in your back also through that summer, so you enter a season not on your own like I did the previous season, but actually as a team and learning how to uh, have your routines uh, when it comes to dry land on race days and just everything you learn from being in a team, right? So yeah, I think exactly. I think the majority of the reason is actually the benefit of having such a great team. So, yeah. That's cool. So then you go to Kitzbühel Slalom. I was actually watching that day. Um, and you uh, win the first run from bib 30-something. Um, up until that point, were you, were you confident? I mean, you must have been confident in your slalom, but did you consider yourself more GS or more slalom, or was it just even? For sure, more uh, more GS. Yeah. Um, it has been on and off like that through my whole career, but it has always been that, like, I've always been a bit more of a GS gear, right? So, yeah. So entering this season, 
the goal was to kind of level up uh, in GS and slalom. Uh, obviously, when I did my sixth place in Solden, I was like, okay, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm yeah. still, uh, <laughs> I'm still just this like way better GS gear than I am in slalom. Yeah. But then I I needed a bit more of a, of time right in slalom. Mm. Um, but we managed to. I, I did a, a huge change in my in my just like standard position in slalom, which I thought I skied a bit wrong last year. Uh-huh. Uh, had a lot of influence from the new generation of slalom skiers as you know Clement Noel and uh, Vinatzer and those guys skiing like you see those high positions those narrow stands I think that's the future of slalom yeah and so th- that, that was the huge change in my slalom pretty much and uh, I needed a bit more time than just the New Zealand camp and the, the camps in middle Europe uh, to get into that but when I got that momentum going I managed to have a great day in Zagreb and then obviously my my confidence went up super high and mm-hmm. uh, i think that's a huge reason why i could do what i did in kidsville so yeah <laughs> confidence really is the name of the game uh right. a lot of the time um so i have a fun question um because i watched an interview with you after kidsville and the, okay just so you know this question is specifically designed to stew up controversy um, <laughs> <laughs> great i love it so um now that you're so fast um, you're kind of the new guy, the new young guy from Norway, and it's no longer Henrik Kristoffersen. Um, and from watching the World Cup on TV and a couple post-race interviews, it seems like that might annoy him a bit. Do you have any comment on that? Um, I mean, th- this has been uh, even bigger in the Norwegian media. Um, uh-huh. we had this- well, I was watching we- some Norwegian media, yeah. Right, and we got put up against each other when because we were we were split in that uh, in Kitsville, if I remember correctly, we were that even uh-huh. uh, on that fourth place, and then we were kind of set up on the biggest uh, Norwegian ch- TV channel, and we had a like post race interview, and and then uh, obviously that uh, <laughs> for me being a nineteen year old guy with a bit too much confidence after that race, I I, I managed to. To tell the Norwegian media that I'm the next one, I'm the next one, uh, and obviously, yeah, that has been uh, that has been uh, making some controversy, and I think that uh, may not have been the what can I say the, the most pleasant thing for uh, Henrik to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, I think it's hard. I mean, it's hard to be like you know, on the top for so long, and then in, and suddenly you're not the new guy anymore. I think it's probably hard for Henrik. Um, but it seems like this whole thing has been stirred up specifically by journalists and reporters. So it's all our yeah, fault. it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's kind of a, that's fun. That's, uh, and that'll be kind of a fun storyline this year. And th- does he give you any advice? Does he help you out? Well... Uh, Henrik is not a part of uh, our team. Uh, he is solo. Okay. So I, I, I wouldn't say he does. Um, the 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 what should I say the um, experience and and the help that I get is from the guys that are with my group. So okay. Basically everyone besides him. So so I learned a lot from life. Uh, he's so experienced and and obviously since I've been more of a GS gear. I've, I've talked to him a lot mm-hmm. 
and uh, I've learned a lot from basically all the older a bit older guys you know they, yeah. they all have so so much experience that I'm not uh, used to uh, having mm-hmm. and that is where I take my intel from and that's what I learned most I think so gotcha that is that is for sure for for, for my teammates is where I, I I get the most help yeah gotcha and do you do you talk to um, the uh, the older like speed guys as well like um, like Jansrud and uh, Kilday those guys yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we're we're just as much in a team with them as just the tech guys. It's just that we obviously don't see them as much since the calendars are pretty different. Uh-huh. But uh, those guys, obviously, we, we train. We're not split tech and speed uh, during summer either. Then we're a whole team. So during that entire period of time, we, we learned so much from them, just as much as the others. So yeah, for sure, kill them. And, and Janser has a big influence on, on us younger guys, too. Gotcha. Um, hey, so a lot of Norwegians end up coming to the U.S. for college, especially because they get free college here. Would you ever consider just dropping the World Cup and coming over to the U.S. for a little bit to crush the college circuit? Well, that has for sure been uh, a plan B all the time. And uh-huh. I wouldn't... I wouldn't see that as a disappointment if that was the route I'd ended up on. And, uh, and I mean, I still am, you know, I, I, that, that is still the plan B. Um, yeah. obviously that is a, it'd be more of a plan B now than it was yeah, before. Definitely. Um, but for sure, I've, I've, I've always supported the, the mix between school and sports and, and, and I'm kind of disappointed that it's not easier in Europe. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I don't mind because I, I I really love traveling and, and just discovering all these new cultures and that's kind of the main reason I do skiing. Uh, but it's kind of bad that all we Norwegians have to go all the way over to the states, right, yeah. to have that possibility because you can't be in the national team in Norway, and and they won't they won't help you out, right? They they won't yeah. fit it. Like uh, like I talked to like Eric Reed. And, and a lot of these Canadian guys that, that, that do Denver and national team where they can kind of s- separate the year with like school half the year and then the rest of the year skiing. And that would be great for us Norwegian to have such a, such a, what should I say? Um, such opportunity. Yeah. 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 To kind of end up after this skiing with both a degree in something and so many fun years of skiing and even maybe yeah, even on the top fun. level. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I wish that was easier to combine for our Norwegians because I would definitely do it myself. Yeah. Well, it seems like you are on the World Cup to stay for a bit uh, with the results you've been having. I'm uh, pulling for you um, in the year coming up. And uh, oh, you know, the, the question I was going to ask about the about college, do you find that because uh, I found I went to college last year when I skied and it was nice to have kind of a mental break from skiing and working on schoolwork. Yeah. Do you have some sort of thing you work on or keep your mind off of things when you're in the season? Hmm, I mean, I, I, I really love doing like everything. So since I was young, I've always wanted to be not the best at everything, but I've wanted to be uh, really good at like ish everything. So yeah. when it comes to like cliff diving or acrobatics and skating and like everything, that has some activity in it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so basically, I, I, I guess, uh, I mean, earlier today, I was, 
I went down to the park and did this, my first skate session of the year. So I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I also longboard. And uh, when summer hits, I'll obviously go in the water, do some water skiing and and all of that stuff. But during winter, um, during the season, I I try to. Uh, I've been getting into photography this year, which is really fun. Oh, and nice. When I was younger, I did some. Uh, I uh, edited some videos and stuff, some skiing edits with some <laughs> dubstep music and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, I went through that phase. Part. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've been actually so they're all on YouTube, but I don't recommend go watching them. I think we have <laughs> and, to. <laughs> um, and but I've been actually getting into that. So the whole Adobe uh, Premiere, Photoshop, you know that pack and. Yeah. Maybe try to make some. Actually, I actually shot a vlog from Tokyo, so that may come up. Just stay tuned for that. So nice. that may be happening. Maybe you'll become a vlogger. <laughs> nah, we'll see about that. <laughs> well, I don't want to be this like uh, vlog. I don't want to be known for my. Vlog. Yeah, you don't want to be. be you don't want to be the vlogger guy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that, that's. I, I don't want to be an inspection and yeah. at a World Cup race, and everyone is just like, ah, yeah, that's the vlog guy from Norway. You know, I don't want to be that guy, but. Yeah, (laughs) who knows? Well, we wish you all the best um, this coming season, and uh, and yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So apparently, as a journalist, I am obliged, obligated, to stir things up a bit and find the truth. And we found some very juicy truth in that interview. I'm psyched. Now, before we get the GS back, I want to stop for a minute to talk about our ever-faithful sponsors, one of whom is Sync Performance. That's S-Y-N-C-Performance.com, where you can use the code SRPODCAST20 for 20% off your next purchase of the ski racing apparel made for, designed by, tested by ski racers. Needless to say, it's good stuff. That is syncperformance.com. Also, worldproskitour.com is where you can find all the highlights of the exciting format for ski racing, the format of the future, they say. Look at it online if you're missing ski racing. Now, I did this interview with Sarah Miller a while ago before the whole quarantine thing started. Sarah is a physical therapist and she worked with the U.S. Europa Cup team during a training camp in the fall that I was at. She runs her own practice in Aspen and is probably the best PT I've worked with. And I've seen a lot of PTs over the years. Just like most racers, I have had back problems before. But hopefully this discussion will clear some things up. So without further ado, Sarah Miller. GS back. Um, you were saying that it uh, is the result of the facets, which are the little things in between your vertebrae. Exactly. Getting smooshed. So for most people, yes. You guys are doing these ridiculous turns, and so your body's... G-forces. Yeah, a lot of G-forces. Yeah. So if you don't have the hip range of motion, yeah. like we work with a lot in here, then your facets, which are those joints between your back, get jammed up. And when they get jammed up, your muscles are like, oh, crap. And they tighten up to try to protect your back. Okay. So that's one of the reasons. If, let's say, you have tight hip flexors and, like, 
your facets are being pulled forward or your vertebra are being pulled forward, then the facets jam up too. So it's not, it's that and the combination of G-forces. Okay. So is it, it's the, the tight hip flexors slash the tight hips, like glutes? Um, you or know, like hip socket? It's does... more like it typically you're going to have worse GS back if you have that poor internal rotation of the hip. Okay. So when you're really like laying out those turns and you're pointing those like legs downhill or towards wherever you want to go yeah. and you don't have that range of motion in the hip, then you're going to find all the it. the force goes into the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And okay. so your body's going to find that rotation in the back rather than, because it can't do it in the hips. Yeah. And so then you're going to jam things up and then it's going to get gnarly. Okay. And when you work on people to fix GS back, um, well, teach a man to fish for a day or whatever, you know, give yeah. a man a fish. You give a man a fish, you treat him, and you help, you push on the spine to get the facets, like, yeah. uh, unsmooshed. So every time we push on the spine, it's not only a treatment, but it's like an examination. So each spine is processed that you're feeling on. It's like, all right, is this thing moving right? And if it's not moving right, we're going to press it in different directions, see if we can get moving correctly. Because the spine's like like a chain. The weakest part of the chain's going to break, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, And that's going to hurt. It's either going to slide forward and you're going to spondylolisthesis. Have you ever heard that? No. <laughs> Say that again? Spondylolisthesis. Spondylolisthesis. A lot of people call it like a spondy. Um, or spondy. Spondy, man. Got a gnarly spondy. Or if, it, if the vertebra starts to slide forward, you'll get a, a pars fracture. Okay. A scotty dog. Have you a Scotty, Scotty dog? dog? That's how you I think identify these are it on the X-ray. Terms. I don't think I, I don't, know all this slang. I don't know who's making this up. It's not me. I just read a book every once in a while. Okay, so the so if people want to treat if they don't have a PT on hand yeah. and they want to treat it themselves, how would they go about doing that? First, like in terms of giving them a fish, in terms of like just making them their back feel better for the day, but also long term. Yeah, for sure. If it's flared up, you're going to get into those cat camels and try to mobilize the spine yourself. Yeah. So it's almost like you're doing the same thing as me pressing on the spine. Where you're kneeling on the ground and you arch your back. Yeah. And then uh, whatever the reverse of arch Drop is. your head around your spine, gaze at your navel, and then reverse, reverse. seat up, chest up, chin up. <laughs> yeah. So cat, cow, cat, camel, like yoga. Um, you're moving the facets on one another and trying to pump out the inflammation. And on that big uh, cat, a lot of times you'll get a stretch of the erectors. People make a mistake of not breathing through it. Well, Always breathe. Is important. Yeah, because there's one muscle called the quadratus lumborum that attaches from the pelvis to the spine and the rib cage. And so if you breathe, you just mobilize that and neuromuscularly relax that QL. So, and then I would drop into child's pose. You know child's pose, right? Yeah. So if you can imagine those facets, like the back's opening up. And so you get that release of inflammation there and that muscle stretch. Uh, and then stretch the hips. And do gentle core work because when your spine is not, when it's angry, when it's inflamed, then your transverse abdominis, that innermost layer of core shuts off. So you want to turn that so back you want on. To do, and that's the kind of thing that you can engage when you do when you lie on your back and and you like mm -hmm. bring the middle of your spine down to the ground. Yeah. Right? And um, yeah. Everyone has different cues. Like Pilates people cue the posterior pelvic tilt and pulling your navel into your spine. Mm -hmm. IQ, 
IQ go in between your rib cage and your pelvis and kind of like tighten that up. Yeah. My favorite cue, you'll relate to this well, is act like you're taking a picture shirtless on the beach and you tighten up really tight like because you want to look good in the picture. Yeah. That's that, that good transverse abdominus tightness. You know the other cue I've heard is uh, stopping a stream of pee. Yeah, because your pelvic yeah. floor is closely associated with your transverse abdominus. The transverse abdominus is engage that is helpful yeah. in terms of getting the pressure off the back. In terms of, yeah, so imagine the transverse abdominus attaches into, a, this is too much, but attaches into a layer of fascia that attaches into the spine. So imagine like you had a spine on your t-shirt and then you tighten up that t-shirt by pulling it out in either direction and then you t you stabilize the spine. Oh, that's a perfect analogy, yeah. Well, thank you. And so if you do that while you're skiing, you'll have less of effect feasibly on your spine if that if it's tight. So it's helpful for people to not only get mobile in the hips and hip flexors, but also activate the transverse ab yeah. abdominal. I transverse abdominus. Yep. Um, before they ski. Exactly. And that's like, I mean, warm-up is so important. Yeah. And um, so if you have, if you're trying to manage it on your own, I like that 90-90 sitting position where one leg is in front in 90-90 and the other leg is behind in that it's flush with the hip and then you bend the knee. That's when you're lying on the ground? That's when you're sitting on the ground -ish. Sitting on the ground. Yeah. And, so, and that rotates the spine? Is that the one that rotates the spine? That's the one that you're trying to isolate your hips away from your spine. So you're trying okay. to get maximum range of motion with a stable spine, you're, you're sitting up nice and tall. Okay. And so if you're in that position where that one leg's in front and one leg's in back, and you're not side bending away from it, then that means in a proper ski turn. Oh, it's like the dad sit. What's the dad sit? Like where you put your ankle on your knee, and so your leg's at 90, um, parallel to the ground, and the other leg is is out and down. Like, what? Like this. Like a figure four. That's like figure this. four. The dad said, "Not that." Like Mr. Rogers' dad said. Yeah. Oh, like I saw that movie. It was great. Um, no, okay. <laughs> that's one way to stretch your hips and stretch your piriformis. But uh, I'm talking about like you're like almost like you're sitting in Indian style, mm -hmm. and then you take one leg back behind you and rotate the inner thigh down to the ground, and then slide that leg back. Oh, so both legs are on the ground yeah okay it's, it's like um yes so for the people listening um you're you've got uh both knees on the ground both legs at 90 degrees sitting straight up when the inner thigh of the leg that's behind you is down and the outer thigh of the leg that's in front of you is down yes. yeah so that makes sense yeah. and then but what is that think about it it's a ski turn right yeah, yeah exactly. it's the hip check challenge yeah Krupka 2019. Hashtag hip jack challenge. <laughs> Hashtag hip jack challenge. We're getting there. Getting an edge on my ski so I can do the hip jack challenge. Nice. Yeah, um, so. So that's all we really need, I guess. Yeah, that's easy. Sweet. Cool. <laughs> that's a wrap. I think that was really helpful, actually. I found it helpful. So I think I'm going to try to have Sarah back so that. Sarah back. No pun intended so that we can learn more about this because I think there's a lot more to learn and it is a rampant problem starting as young as U16. So we will do that. I'm recording this podcast. It is Wednesday night. Um, it's about to get published tomorrow morning and I just got an email 
in my inbox from Lauren. They say they have an idea about a segment for the show. Yes, an unsolicited idea, quote-unquote. Now, first of all, the idea is a fantastic one, but we'll get to that. Second of all, every idea is solicited. I want you all to send me ideas. I've been getting so many, and I've acted on almost every single one of them. You are my constituents. You are my listeners. You decide what you should listen to. So if you have feedback, grievances, things you like, things you have ideas for and you want to hear about, send them my way. Remember, ski racing this week at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at jimmy underscore who underscore. Please, I've been having a lot of fun with the ideas that I've been sent so far. So this one is an interesting one. So Lauren is still a ski racer. Despite the fact that they may not be ski racing right now, they are still a ski racer. And it's a very interesting point because there are so many people that were ski racers at some point that went on to be not ski racers. And But it's always kind of part of you. And so I'm wondering who is listening to this podcast and who was a ski racer or still considers themselves a ski racer, even though they don't ski race and everything in between. So send me your mail and I would love to do some sort of uh, content on that. Also, let me know if you have been able to get some training in. Send me a video or something. I know there's got to be people out there that are hiking and setting gates and getting their turns in. And uh, I actually heard from a bird that I can't uh, corroborate. So this is just rumor, bad uh, journalistic practice. But I heard that the Swedes have their private rope toes all running. And so maybe there's not crowds gathering, but they're all running training there. So that's interesting. I think at the end of the day, um, somebody out there is always doing what it takes to get the training in. And this will be a very interesting storyline later on as we learn who was able to get training and who wasn't uh, when we enter next season. If there is a next season. Ha! Just kidding. There will be. Anyway, until then, until next Thursday, I mean, I'm Jimmy Krupka. This is Ski Racing This Week, Ski Racing Media's official podcast. Ski you later.